Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I am Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're tuning in for the last show of the year. That's right, 2012 is coming to a quick close, and I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit today about some of the biggest stories of the year. Unfortunately, as often is the case, most of the biggest stories of the year were tragic stories, and there's a lot of bad news when we reflect on what we remember most about the past year. So as we discuss the stories that stick out in my memory from this past year, I want to encourage you that there is hope throughout these, and I'll end the show with more of that hope that we can have in spite of some of the negativity that persists all around us. And as we start this show, I wanted to talk about first the Mayan prophecy. If you were listening two weeks ago, I talked about how we could trust that nothing negative would happen on the 21st of December and that the so-called Mayan prophecy would not come to any fruition whatsoever. And that was the case. I contrasted other prophecies, including the Mayan prophecy, with the accurate prophecy that we see in Scripture. I'll be talking about more of that soon on The God Solution. So I hope you keep tuning in, and I hope that you get a chance to hear more about the incredible prophecy that's in the Bible. There are so many different types of prophecies in the Bible and so many that have been so accurately fulfilled. In fact, over 1,000 prophecies exist in Scripture. Many of those have been fulfilled, some are being fulfilled, and more are yet to be fulfilled. I'll talk about that soon. But the bottom line is that the Mayan prophecy came to nothing, and we knew that that would be the case. So did a whole lot of other people. So as we thought about 2012, talking to students on campus, for the past few years, I've heard a lot of anxiety about the so-called end of the world in 2012. There was even a movie about it. And this year, we realized that all of that came to nothing. So I thought that'd be a funny kind of start to the show to remember that story because it was definitely a story that we all were a part of and the end of the world that did not occur. Beyond that, the election occurred this past year. And regardless of what you might think, either pro or con on that issue, the end of the world did not occur with the election either. My top 10 values that I discussed when I discussed some of the political issues leading up to the election were one, limited government, two, personal freedom, three, ethical government with moral common sense, four, traditional values that have stood the test of time, five, compassionate policies, six, free market, seven, financial responsibility, eight, a national defense that is strong, nine, justice, and 10, respect for life. I think all of those are important values, and they are what I voted on this past election cycle. Now, when we looked at the main candidates in the last election, Obama and Romney, I concluded that I wasn't a huge fan of either. And I don't know where you stand on the two candidates, but I was confident that neither one of them could solve all the issues facing this country. Our country definitely stands in a very precarious way in a very difficult time. And I don't think any one human being is going to be able to pull us out of the mess that we're in. And I sure didn't think either Obama or Romney could do it. I wasn't a huge fan of either. And so leaving that behind, I am going to pray for our president, Obama, and I hope that God will give him lots of wisdom 
and guidance and direction as he makes decisions that are going to impact each one of us. So I wasn't the biggest fan of either, but seeing how the election turned out, I was committed and am committed to praying for the president of our country and for respecting the person that holds that office. And I hope that Obama's next four years will be better than his first. And I hope that in the next four years, he'll do what's best for all Americans, not just for one political ideology. Our country is heading in a very bad direction. All of our freedoms are definitely in jeopardy. And these are issues that I hold very dear to me. I grew up in some harsh countries, some countries where they didn't have the freedoms that we have. I spent all of my teenage years in Romania, and that was shortly after communism fell. And many of the same communist politicians just got elected to replace the dictator that was assassinated, Ceausescu. And Iliescu, who replaced him and many of the others, were pretty much no different than he had been. And it was a democratically elected socialist slash communist government. And that government was terrible. And I saw the effects of socialism on a country. I saw a country that went from being one of the richest in Europe to being the second poorest in a matter of a few decades as a result of socialistic policies and the restriction of personal freedom. And when I look at some of the direction that I see in our country right now, I fear that we are heading down a path that's been well-traveled before, and it's never led to a very good destination. And so I fear for our country. And at the same time, I know that God is my hope. So regardless of where this country goes, I have hope in him. So I do believe that our freedoms are in jeopardy in this country. And we've even faced religious obstructions of freedoms ourselves in recent history, in, in the recent past. And I know of many others that have as well from a political perspective. And so I am afraid of some of the freedoms that are now in jeopardy being lost completely. I'm afraid that there is chaos in this country right now. Our country seems to have a mass murder, and we'll talk about some of those stories in a minute, but it seems to have some of these tragedies happening on almost a weekly basis, and this is really terrifying. And I'll talk about it more in a minute, but the issue is not whether or not people have guns. People have had guns since the foundation of this country. The tragedies that we're seeing at this point in time are a result of the godlessness and the depravity of human beings in this country. We've told people for so long that there is no absolute truth and that there are no moral standards and that there is no God to whom we'll give an account. And now people are living just like all of that is true. And we know intuitively that it's not. Again, I'll talk more about that in a minute. But I'm fearful for the negative direction of our country as it concerns the personal areas of morality. I'm also concerned about the financial chaos that is reigning supreme in our country, both on a personal level where American wealth is, I've heard, the lowest it's been in decades and where people are quickly getting into incredible debt, but also on a global or on a countrywide scale where we are accumulating more debt than we ever have in history. Four years ago, when Obama took office, our country had $10 trillion in debt, and that was very bad. Now we have $16-plus trillion in debt, and our government just keeps 
increasing the debt ceiling every time they hit the debt ceiling. In other words, the debt ceiling means nothing. We cannot keep living this way as a country. Debt and the financial chaos that's ongoing in our country will eventually destroy the America we know if we don't rein in our spending. Finally, there's international insecurity as a result of our national insecurity. America has ceased to be an agent of good throughout the world, a powerful agent of good, and we are starting to see all sorts of other ideologies that are flourishing in some very negative ways throughout the world. And I think a lot of that relates to our weakness as a nation at this point in history. All that being considered, Psalm 146 reminds us, do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. How blessed is he whose hope is in the God of Jacob, whose help is in the Lord his God. Our only hope is in God, and this country desperately needs him. Going on to other big stories from the year, and this one relates directly to the government and election, and that is the fiscal cliff that we're facing. Tax increases plus government spending cuts, Obamacare finally being implemented, that's a story in and of itself that could be discussed. The fact that the Supreme Court upheld this seeming monstrosity of a bill, not to get too political here, but it is something that is so big and so different from anything this country has ever experienced that I think it should have been done a lot more carefully. Again, having lived in a socialist country with social health care, I saw the terrible quality of health care that existed in Romania and the incredibly poor level of medicine that existed in that country. And I don't want to see that in our country. We have great medicine here. I do think our government needs to fix the outrageous cost of health care in this country. But it seems like their fix wasn't necessarily a great one. Whatever you think about Obamacare, the cost of it is going to begin going into effect this year, which means you are going to begin being taxed for Obamacare this year. In addition to that, there are going to be other tax increases. There is going to be a 2% increase in Social Security payroll taxes. That's going to be about an average of $100 per paycheck across the board in the United States. That's going to be coupled with the elimination of the Bush tax cuts, which means higher tax rates for everyone in this country. That will be coupled with a tax punishment, if you will, for married couples. And on a side note, what kind of a sane country would ever punish married couples financially and then financially enable those that choose not to be committed in that kind of relationship. So we hear Obama talking about, and I congratulate him for talking about this, we hear him talking about the need for fathers and homes, and that's very good, and I'll give credit where it's due. I, I'm thankful that he is focused on that issue. And at the same time, we should not be providing a financial incentive for fatherless homes and punishing homes that do have fathers in them with higher taxes. But regardless, this year, if the fiscal cliff happens, if we go over the cliff, married couples will be taxed disproportionately compared to singles. And that's not right. In addition to all of this, there are going to be huge cuts in government programs throughout the country. I think about a thousand government programs are going to experience significant cuts. So when you add all this together, we are about to have a real 
fiscal cliff. It's not called that for nothing. And as we consider the ramifications of such an issue, I pray that our politicians will come up with solid answers to this. And I pray they'll do that in a bipartisan way for your good and my good. But whatever they do, I promise you this, the financial insecurity of our country will persist. We've accumulated too much debt and we're accumulating even more at such a quick pace that even a solution to the fiscal cliff will only be kicking the can a little further down the road, so to say. And there are such huge problems that need to be fundamentally addressed. We need to quit spending so much individually and as a country. So those are some of the political stories that stood out in my mind from this year. The election, Obamacare being upheld by the Supreme Court, the fiscal cliff that's quickly approaching. Now I wanted to discuss some of the other stories that stick out in my mind, and these kind of relate to what we would call the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. Typically, atheists will say, how could a good and all-powerful, all-loving God exist and allow pain and suffering in this world? And a good response is that, one, we have free choice, and that accounts for a lot of the human-caused evil, pain, and suffering in the world. Two, our sin put the whole universe under a curse, Scripture says. And we know that human selfishness has negative consequences on the planet. Just look at pollution, for example. And so our sin also has caused a lot of the environmental disasters that we see throughout the universe. And in addition to all of this, we can easily recognize that God would allow some of this pain and suffering to happen to lead people to himself. C.S. Lewis said that pain is God's megaphone to a dying world. It's how he gets our attention. So it's not that he causes these terrible things, but rather that in his sovereignty, he allows the results of our own free will and sin to occur in such a way that will show us our need for a savior. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR. 91.9 and 93.9 FM here in Durango and KDUR.org. We're reviewing some of the big stories from 2012, and I think you'll be encouraged as we end the show in a few minutes with hope, considering all that we've been through this past year. So going back to the problem of pain, some of the stories that stick out in my mind would be Hurricane Sandy, this terrible, terrible hurricane that hit and did so much damage and negatively affected so many people, I thank God that it wasn't worse than it was. It was very bad. Also, the recent Connecticut school shooting was a tragedy that I don't think any of us will soon forget. And the reality that people in this country would massacre any other human beings, but especially little children, is terrifying. And it's absolutely morbid and disgusting. And as we think about that, I can't help but realize that 3,000 babies are being murdered legally every day in this country. Our country has become a very violent country. And it is time that we return to God, realizing that there are moral absolutes, that certain things are right and certain things are wrong, regardless of our own interpretation of them. And I think when we teach a generation of people that there is no right or wrong and that they should follow their heart and do whatever feels good and that they will not have to give an account. How could we possibly expect them not to do what we see them doing 
on the news. I think that this country desperately needs to return to Jesus. Another story that sticks out on that same topic is the Colorado theater shooting this summer. Tragic, terrible, disgusting, and a story that just leaves us all wondering how such a thing could ever happen. And again, we have to realize that when people are told that there are no moral absolutes, that there is no right or wrong, they're going to act like that. And that's what we see happening on the news. So again, it's not guns that are the problem. I know a whole lot of people that own guns, and they've never done anything bad with their guns. And their guns have produced a lot of good. I put meat on the table every year with one of my guns. I hunt, and that allows me to provide for my family. And I think a lot of people in our area are hunters. Guns in themselves are not the problem. But evil hearts in people, hearts that have been (laughs) told that they will never have to give an account, that they can do whatever they want, who then fill their imagination with terribly violent video games, movies, and TV shows, who then perpetrate their morbid fantasies on the public out of this godlessness that they've been raised with. It's tragic. And the only answer is going to come when we realize that we desperately need a Savior and that we will give an account for how we act to God. So as we think about some of these tragic, tragic, tragic stories, I don't think it would be reasonable for us to blame God. How could a good and loving God allow this? But rather to blame godlessness, to realize that it's godlessness that led us to these terrible tragedies. Some of the other stories that stick out in my mind would include fallout from the Arab Spring. So we know that the Arab Spring wasn't this past spring, but the spring before. And some of the fallout from that has been incredible. It's been very negative. I think about a lot of what's going on in Syria right now and this madman Assad and what he's doing to his people. And it's tragic. I definitely think that a lot of these dictators in the Arab world have done an incredible amount of bad and they need to be removed from power. Unfortunately, there is a power vacuum in these countries, and a lot of times those evil dictators are being replaced by even more evil dictators. And so we're seeing some of the fallout of that right now. Syria is a prime example, and I pray for the Syrian people that they will be protected from the evil schemes of this evil man in control of that country. Similarly, we look at Libya, a country that we helped free from a terrible dictator last year. And we realize that now it's becoming a hotbed for terrorism and al-Qaeda and other groups. And we even just had this terrible tragedy in Benghazi right before the election. And this was tragic. I don't know how our government could ever refuse to protect its own citizens and then cover up such a terrible thing for so long afterwards. And I think our government needs to come clean about what really happened in Benghazi. And I hope that that'll happen soon. But regardless of that issue alone, Libya is just another example of some of the fallout from the Arab Spring. Similarly, in Egypt, we have the Muslim Brotherhood instituting Sharia law and this hardcore Islamic constitution and political control in ways that are even worse than they were 
under the former dictator. And Morsi now claims to have complete sovereign power and cannot be overridden by the courts. This is a very scary situation. I feel like the Egyptian people uh, kind of jumped out of the frying pan and into the fire, so to say, with the fallout from the Arab Spring in their country recently. My hope is that people throughout the Arab world will be respected. I hope that the Christians in Egypt and in all these countries will be protected. I hope that the minorities in these countries will be protected. I hope that the women in these countries will be protected. I know that Sharia law is very damaging to them. And I hope and pray that some of the negative consequences of the Arab Spring will be mitigated. As we continue thinking about other big stories from 2012, how could we forget some that came out of Colorado? One in particular is the legalization of pot. Now, I think it's ironic that Colorado cannot vote yes to protect a human life. Remember the personhood movement here. We can't vote yes to protect human lives as a state, but we can vote yes to legalize marijuana as a state. It's ironic to say the least. And so many of the people that I hear talking about pot legalization in this state are clueless about some of the ramifications of that in this state. There will be increased crime. It's already been proven that after the medicinal marijuana laws passed, marijuana-related crimes increased, and it'll be no different now. The black market will be just as powerful, and the drug cartels will as well. And this law is not going to mitigate that whatsoever. There will also be more individual crime as more and more and more people use this drug and use it more freely and openly, there will be more cases of drivers driving stoned hurting others. There are going to be more cases of children being exposed to this stuff at a young age. So crime will increase. Also, marijuana cultivation is terrible on the environment. You could check out some of the environmental consequences of marijuana growing in California. It's been disastrous. Marijuana requires an incredible amount of energy and water for its production. And both those things are in short supply in our state. So I believe that there will be incredible environmental consequences here in our state as a result of this new law. Similarly, public health is going to be hindered. I used to work in air quality, and the government has all sorts of standards to protect public health. Yet when it gets to this issue, we are throwing those aside and allowing people to be negatively impacted. Well, there are going to be a lot of public health issues. I've heard that the average IQ of pot smokers decreases eight points after beginning to smoke pot over the next several years. The lost productivity will be an economic catastrophe as a result of this. There are going to be legislative nightmares associated with this law and international problems as well. I know already Mexico is furious about this law, and there are all sorts of problems with fighting drugs across the border and then okaying them here in our state. So why we legalize pot as a state, who knows? I don't think it is going to have any of the positive consequences that people predicted, and it will have a lot of negative ones. And you can mark my words on that. I'll talk more about that in a couple weeks here on the show. I just want to say as we talk about that, though, that Jesus offers more than pot ever could. If you think you need pot, 
I want to encourage you that Jesus offers you so much more. So we talked about a lot of different stories from the nation and then this final last one from our state. And I wanted to close with one from our city. For the last month or so, Dylan, this young boy, has been missing in our city. And I don't think anybody in this county can rest easy while this is the case. And it's something that is absolutely tragic and terrible. I want to ask you to pray right now for him and his family, that God would protect him and that God would comfort his family and reunite them very soon. And as we think about that, and as a parent, I can't imagine anything worse in this world. And as we think about that and so many other tragic stories, many from this past year, I can't conclude without telling you that there is hope in spite of these terrible tragedies. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And that's the reality that we in Christ have hope that surpasses any of the negativity of the news and so many terrible things that are happening all around us. And it's real simple. (laughs) Jesus didn't make it complicated. He says that he loves you with an everlasting love. The God of the universe can't get you off his mind. In fact, the Bible says he thinks about you constantly. And that God that loves you more than anything in this entire world, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, he loves you intimately. And he loves you and desires to have a relationship with you and to give you an eternity with himself in heaven and an abundant life of meaning and purpose here on this planet. Unfortunately, each one of us are sinful and selfish. We know that we're not perfect. And our imperfection, our sin, separates us from a perfect God. Left alone, that would be terrible news. And left alone, that would mean that we would live for all of eternity apart from him and what the Bible calls hell. That's very bad news. That being said, though, there's good news as well. Jesus became a man, God in human flesh, Scripture tells us, Emmanuel. It's what we celebrated last week for Christmas. And Jesus became a man. He lived a perfect life, one that's never been lived before. All human beings that have ever lived have been sinful. Yet Jesus comes and lives a perfect life among us, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And after living a perfect life, He pays the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate payment for you and me by dying on the cross for your sins and my sins. He took all of our sins upon himself so that anyone who would put their faith and trust in him could be forgiven of their sins, could live for all of eternity with him, and could have an abundant life of meaning and purpose here on this planet. All that being said, I would like to encourage you to start out 2013, if you haven't already, by saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Please forgive my sins. Please come into my life. Please be my Savior and my Lord and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. And the Bible says that if you put your faith in him and invite him to come into your life, he will come into your life and he'll never leave you. And he'll begin to change you from the inside out. So as you think about New Year's resolutions, you'll have his very power to do what you desire to do positively in this new year. And on top of that, you'll be forgiven for all your sins, knowing that you'll experience an eternity with him in heaven, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. 
and you'll also be able to experience his love and the abundant life of meaning and purpose that he has planned for you here on this earth. So please, if you haven't already, come to Jesus this morning. Well, I wish you all the best in 2013, and I really do hope that you'll start the year off with Jesus. We're not going to be having Connect this week, of course. All the students are gone for Christmas break. We would like to invite you to visit New Hope this morning. They're going to be meeting at the Storyteller Durango 9 Theater at 10 a.m. I hope you'll give them a shot. Like we always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. I hope that you'll trust him today. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great Sunday and have a wonderful 2013. I sincerely hope it's the greatest you've ever had in your life so far. And I hope it's the first of many more great years to come for you and your loved ones. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Oh.